What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hey, I'm Alex Segura, author of Poe Dameron Free Fall, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. A Utini production. Hi, I'm holding for General Hugs. Episode 76, Poe Dameron Freefall Roundtable, Part 1. Leia has an urgent message for him. I believe he's tooling with you, sir. About his mother. On this episode, new Utini Patreon supporters. Yoda gives the High Republic the side eye. And the Utini team talks about Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura. Permission to jump in the next wing and blow something up? And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! All right, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson. And joining me tonight are a couple of my dearest, dearest friends. First, we have Dr. Corey Helton. Hello. What's up? What's up? Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Good to see everybody tonight. It's always an exciting part of the week to hang out with my friends here in the Living Force. Yes, sir. You are fresh off a night shift and ready to go. I'm so excited to see what happens. We also have Wes Jenkins. Wes, how's it going, man? What's up, everyone? And guess what? I finished this book, so I get to talk about it this week. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Don't worry, everyone. Wes has already gotten his gold star of the week for reading the book. Um, we put it in your little reader calendar. We gave you the page credit. Well done. Also, a nice hello to everyone in the chat. We got a bunch of people hanging out tonight. We're so glad that you chose to spend your Monday with us. We are, unfortunately, missing Dr. Charles Hankel. He is working a... Uh, I don't know, a shift that defies reason as far as the, the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the hours went. He told us the other day how many hours he worked and how many days. And if you're of the oh, praying ridiculous. sort, by all means, um, my goodness, Corey, is Charles' schedule as insane as it seems to me? Or is that just yes. what you all do now? Charles is doing an ICU rotation, so that's intensive care unit. So like a lot of it, he's got a lot of COVID patients, he, like. People that are in the ICU are very, very sick. They're often on pressers trying to keep their blood pressure up. It is very complex medicine. I do one of those rotations in about a month, uh, but mine's not going to be quite as rough as Charles's. He's in a huge academic hospital. So um, I, didn't you say he had like 15 COVID patients last yeah. week? Like, oof, I, yeah, do, I do not envy. 15 out of 17 for COVID. Uh, Charles, we love you, man. We hope that you're, you're doing okay, but we are going to try to drive this boat ship car as best we can without you that's right uh before we get in though we'll uh we'll, uh, we'll pour one out for you and by <laughs> pour one out i mean pour it into, into our, our mouths <laughs> for you our dear charles that's before right. we get into some intro stuff timothy guthrie in the chat has a great question Corey, how is your floor you were supposed to be on light speed skipping yesterday <laughs> but you couldn't because your floor yes. was getting finished Guys, my flooring in my entire house is done now finally wow that's been <laughs> so a long we did time. the 
It was. I did my entire downstairs and luxury vinyl plank. We did our kitchen. Um, and now we had to save up a little more money to do the upstairs. Now the upstairs is all done too. So if you ever, if you never replace flooring in a house, it's, it's basically as awful as you could possibly imagine. Cause it's like, you have to basically move out of your house and move right back into it because like you have to move everything cause it's all on the floor. So <laughs> glad to have this, <laughs> glad to have no this behind kidding. me. So, not a fun experience. <laughs> well, I'm so glad I can't well, wait until, I don't know, 2027 when we can finally see people again and I'm going to come see your floor. Uh, that sounds good. So a little bit of news, everyone, before we jump into our first Charles-less roundtable. Um, also, hi, bye, Cheryl. Uh, you're hanging out with your kid and a baby, uh, or your friend and her baby, whatever. Hope you have a good night. We're sorry. Uh, we'll see you later. All right, a couple things happened in Star Wars this week. Not a lot of huge stuff. Uh, one we wanted to address, that was a decently serious thing. Uh, an article came out about Giant Boyega this week, uh, if any of y'all didn't see he talked about uh, what it was like being a black man filming Star Wars and how he felt with Finn's character arc and a lot of truths that he had been thinking. Uh, John Boyega's already always been pretty transparent with his thoughts. Um, but I was happy to see, at least in the communities that I follow, John got a lot of support because we can realize that even though we love Star Wars, we love these films, there are real people involved. And when real people get slighted for certain reasons or certain things aren't thought about in a good way, uh, people can get hurt, and we can always be better. So not a lot to really go back and forth on this. Just to say, uh, as far as Utini, the living force, all of us personally go, we support John Boyega as a man, as a character, Finn. Um, we're glad you're speaking your truth, man, and we hope that Star Wars, y'all... Get better. Treat people of color with the same respect that, you know, they deserve. Um, another thing that happened this week, uh, everyone, we found out when we are getting the way back, when Baby Yoda returns to our screens, it is October 30th. October 30th, Halloween weekend. Are y'all ready for some more Mandalorian in your life? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm still a little, uh, we don't know anything we know nothing. about it at all. Yeah. I heard there was supposed to be a trailer released, I don't know, seven weeks ago, according to the internet or something. (laughs) Right. It's been way too long. And I announced that on our Slack channel. I was like, are we going to be seeing this trailer? And everybody was like, what the hell? Where did I miss this? And I was like, yeah, I mean, they said there was going to come out this weekend during the the basketball playoffs. And obviously it did not. And I uh, cried wolf. Sorry, guys. That was weeks ago. It's all right. I mean, also, the Mandalorian season two trailer is like, sure, it'd be cool to see the footage. Is there any reason they need it for publicity? Like, no one is not no. is be like, oh, well, I I wasn't gonna watch it, and then the trailer came. That's out. right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a good, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, and now that we, I don't know, it might be interesting to not watch a trailer before it comes out. I'm not against I mean, it. What do you think? What do you think about that? Like, if it if it comes out in like like a couple weeks, like two weeks before the the premiere or something are you guys all gonna watch it over and over again i mean i don't know i've never i've never done that before with star wars like i've done it with other movies yeah um, but i've never done it with star wars i don't know i can see it i mean obviously do i want to see footage sure but there's also the thing of whenever whatever footage comes out there's the possibility of all the youtubers being like the mandalorian footage dissected and it's like a 48 minute video for 90 seconds of footage and it's like if you look closely at this frame this is like boba fett's wrist cannon i'm like okay like i don't I don't need that discourse. Like, it's fun to talk about in the hypothetical, but once people start getting really into their own theories, I'm like, I don't think, I don't think we need to go that far. But hey, yeah, same. Let's be honest. It's Star Wars. If it comes out, we're gonna devour That's it. Probably true. Um, another thing that I actually forgot to put in this outline already, y'all. But Boski in the chat reminded me. 
everyone, we got one more announcement Star Wars-wise this week. The High Republic, which we are all waiting for, that is coming out in January, got a character reveal that we all kind of knew was coming, but now it's official. Guys, it's mm-hmm. Sexy Yoda. <laughs> um, that's right. Yoda with the smoldering side eye uh, got revealed. There was some... There was some pretty funny stuff about that that release too. That like people, there were some quotes I think I guess from some of the folks that worked on creating Yoda and like personifying him and like like what he was gonna look like for this cover image and and they the way it was is I think the image came out like way after they made those comments because like the the way they talked about it said they were wanting to do something that was totally new and different but also like really respectful of the original character and like there are side by side shots of the image that they revealed and like episode two Yoda and is exactly the same except for a belt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's even, like it, it's, it's even like the same, <laughs> it's the same pose and everything. Like it's, there's literally a side by side shot where it looks like the exact same clothing and everything. And it was like, really like broke new barriers for Yoda. <laughs> I don't know about all that. You just gave him a belt. Like, but it's a really you know. cool belt. That's the, yeah. that's the key. And I, I thought that's it was right. fun though. They did announce he's going to be in Daniel Jose Older's comic. So he's going to be in, like, yeah, the... Yeah, uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, the Star Wars Adventures, like, kids comic, which I think is a great place for Yoda to be, right? With all the younglings. Yeah. I, I want him to be kind of like the Miss Frizzle of the High Republic. I Miss would, Frizzle. I, Good I gotta, drop. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta tell you, too, I kind of honestly forgot that Yoda was even going to be in this. Like, I think we talked about it maybe briefly, like, a long time ago, but, like... He's certainly young enough or old enough, I guess, to have been in it. So that's very Yeah, I never actually yeah. talked about him being in it, but we were like, his age pinpoints him as yeah. be, mm-hmm. he should be in this series. Yeah, it would make that's sense. Right. So I, I'm stoked to see him. Of course, uh, y'all, we, we are going to talk about our, our nice little break we're getting in Star Wars books coming up. Uh, but once the High Republic comes in January, uh, we're going to have a lot of content on this show. I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> completely original, new, exciting content. Too, oh my which god! Oh, I can't wait. Uh, but speaking of new content that it that is not as original as High Republic, maybe yet astoundingly original. We had a lovely book release last week. Thrawn Ascendancy: Chaos Rising is out in the world, and oh my god, Wes Corey, have you ever seen a book sweep the Discord like Thrawn Ascendancy? No, <laughs> no. People are really, really stoked about it, yeah. and rightfully yeah. so too. I don't, Wes. How far are you into it? You I have not it finished yet? it yet, but I'm starting it tonight because something else took precedent. Um, involved. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've had the audiobook for a little, for I guess a week or two now, Eric. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, well, I guess it's been a long, longer than that. So I'm I'm slowly getting through the audiobook. Like I still I listen to it in the car. That's my excuse, guys. Like, nice. <laughs> I listen to it in the car. I can't read books while I'm in the car. But haven't we had the audiobook for the Poe book also? Yeah. It's fine. Anyway, uh, the audiobook is unbelievably good. Yeah. Mark Thompson. Is a flipping genius, Eric. Did you ever did you ever start the audiobook? I know you said I you have were not about yet. It. Uh, I usually like to listen to the audiobooks to to refresh my memory for these roundtables. So I am going to be starting that because I know it's a little bit of a longer one. So in the next week or it's two, like fourteen hours or something. Oh, yeah, I, I listened to a bit of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got this oh one. boy. <laughs> um, yeah, but I did uh, for the for the review. Um, uh, we did talk a little bit about uh, Mark Thompson's uh, performance as some of the other characters. So I, I did skip around and like get a few scenes and. Mark's mm-hmm. great. Mark has always been a tremendous Star Wars narrator. This is his best work, even from the little bit I've listened to. Oh my god, it's got to be by far, and, and I'm sure we're gonna dive into that book like in depth. But like, there's uh, Tim Zahn introduced so many new alien species mm-hmm. in this book that that Mark Thompson got to like sort of imagine. I guess I'm not sure how much direction he got, but like, 
it sounds like a full voice cast. Like it's it's pretty impressive to be honest. Like it really does sound like Dooku Jedi Lost. Like and he's just I don't know, man. He's so unbelievably talented. Like I can't imagine they picked anybody else for this book because it's just so good. Yeah, and it is it's a really, really a tremendous book. And Juliana in the chat actually just asked a really great question. Uh, she said, I haven't read any of the other Thrawn books. Does that matter? Um, and I will actually say for the first time, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think I don't think so either. I think this book, if you've read uh, Thrawn, the canon Thrawn books, the legend Thrawn books, you'll get a little more of who he is. There's some characters that pop up from other books. But Timothy Zahn has done a really great job of just writing a book you can pick up if you don't know who Thrawn is at all, and you can have a great time with it. And I think, honestly, it's probably this and the first Thrawn canon book may be equally good to start your Thrawn journey. So, Yeah, uh, I would totally agree But we'll be talking about that, as Corey said, in depth in 30 days from now. So I think that's October 5th. That show is part one of the Thrawn Ascendancy Roundtable, so be sure to come back for that and jump in the Discord in the Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising channel to talk about it. A couple other things before we jump into this roundtable for Poe Dameron Freefall. Patreon updates. So we're switching up the format a little bit. We have some Patreon announcements, but we're saving those till the end of the show. That's right. You got to stick around for that after the Poe Dameron talk. But we do want to highlight our new patrons from this week. We got Scott Bubb and Kyle Hickman. Welcome to the Patreon family. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Uh, you are helping us get closer to the new goals we have created. Again, stick around to the end of the show. We're going to go over them. Wes, since Charles isn't here, would you mind telling us who this week's patron of the week is? Sure, no problem. This handsome devil is actually a part of the Utini team and has been around since the uh, Utini book box days. So enjoy. Here we go. Hey, it's me, Wes Jenkins, the Living Force community manager, producer, co-host, utility infielder, all-around Star Wars fan, and your patron of the week. So... I thought I'd give a little insight into why I love Star Wars, how I got into the fandom. Um, but before that, I just need to give you a little piece, little bits and pieces of my past to let you know how I got here. So um, I didn't really watch the the original trilogy in its entirety until college. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, so I did see Episode One in theaters with a friend in when I was in junior high. Um, and I was really confused about a lot of the details um, that were in that movie, but it didn't stop me from buying episode one racer, which I know Charles loves so much. Um, eventually I got more and more immersed into the movies and uh, I skipped class in college, first showing, first day to see uh, episode three. And that's when I really fell in love with Star Wars. Um, it was mainly the score and the music that kind of hit me. Um, I took a, a music and film class in college, uh, mostly because the history of rock and roll was clean filled up when I tried to sign up for it, but this was the next best option. Um, it taught you a lot about how to pick out certain character themes in movies, and it's very evident in the Skywalker saga, all these themes. Um, so those certain themes, like, like when Luke gazes out over the horizon with the twin sons, um, in episode two and three, you can the little clues of Anakin's dark side theme. Man, those types of things really, really awesome, really hit me in the feels. Um, and not to mention like the moments where um, the trumpet from the Clone Wars theme, when we see Gregor and Wolf and Rex in Rebels, and it plays the the, the theme that we've all listened to from uh, from the Clone Wars TV show, and you hear it in Rebels, you're like, oh, that's something that. 
that it's kind of like a secret, kind of something that not a lot of people know, but probably a lot of people know. But anyways, um, all those things like Cross the Stars, Duel of Fates, Battle of Heroes, even like the Jedi Temple March when Anakin walks back into the Jedi Temple with the clones as newly crowned Darth Vader. And uh, that's, that's a really good theme. That, that really helps me, I don't know, get, in, get more involved with the, with the saga and with the theme. Um, but uh, I can't not say that, I would say Rey's theme is my absolute favorite. Definitely my absolute favorite in all of the, the Skywalker saga. Um, but I mean, I could go on and on and on about this. Uh, but we have to get back to my intense, earth-shattering analysis of Poe Dameron Freefall. So, see you there. Thank you very much. That was amazing. That was, that was simply amazing. If we had some kind of award to give out, Timothy, I expect my plaque, um, much like the YouTube <laughs> plaque, any, any, any day now. So I appreciate you, man. <laughs> That was truly tremendous, um, and, and honestly, that that's a great analysis of the Star Wars soundtracks. We've been talking about doing a soundtrack show, God, for forever, and dang it, if we have to do one now, uh, Wes, you might lead it, buddy, so so get prepared. <laughs> uh, thank you again uh, to you, Wes Jenkins, and to all of our patrons, and keep an eye out. You may be our next patron of the week. We'll see. All right, we're going to skip through a couple things uh, because we're doing a book what is this called? Roundtable. See, I'm reading and I'm talking at the same time. It does not work out. We're doing a book roundtable, so we will not be going over book reviews, releases, things like that. Um, but just keep your eyes out on Utini's new releases page for all your Star Wars books. Make sure you get them pre-orders in. Normally, we would give this over to Charles Hankel right now. As we said, he's on the worst shift imaginable. But Corey Helton, Dr. Corey Helton, who has been on Night Shift and uh, had less time to read the book than he'd like... Um, is going to lead us on this because Wes and I have read the book and have finished everything <laughs> and have some thoughts. Corey, do you think you are able to handle this burden? No, absolutely not. <laughs> not even a chance. Not even a tiny little bat. But luckily, not only have I not read the book, I've also not read all the question prompts. So that's this is going to be an exciting roundtable. Charles was actually expecting to be here tonight. Um, and I was actually kind of kind of sit this one out a little more than in usual, um, but we have his prompts that he puts a ton of work into. So we are going to hack our way through this one way or another. And then so we're going to end the show by telling we... you why you should give us money for this. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> yes, yes. There's, uh, you know, we're just going to. It'd be great. That. So let me let me start off with a plot synopsis, and then we will kind of dive into what we usually do with our scores. So first things first, Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura fills in the gaps in Poe's origin story by detailing his time with the Spice Runners of Kajimi. Longing to find a way off of Yavin 4 and away from his overbearing father, Poe finds his chance in the unlikely form of a group of gangsters on the run. But after joining the ranks and becoming their hotshot new pilot, Poe soon realizes that navigating the criminal underworld is more perilous than navigating hyperspace, even when you're skipping it. Soon enough, Poe is torn between the draw of adventure, his family back home, and his new love, Spice Runner Zori Wynn. When Poe finds himself directly at odds with the mysterious leader of the Spice Runners of Kajimi, Ziva Bliss, he is forced to make his decision, and not everyone will survive unscathed. So, like we said, let's do what we usually do and uh, rate the book 1 to 10. Eric, start with you. All right, this book was tough because I'm trying to be better about my ratings. We have, we have been over me giving everything like 9s and 10s from the top. Um, and honestly, 
I I had this book a little higher in my mind until I read Thrawn Ascendancy, and then I'm like, okay, I can't rate it as high as Thrawn. Um, so I think I'm gonna give this book a seven point seven. Interesting. Seven point seven. Wes. Okay, so when I got into it, it was a little slow in the beginning, but it really picks up at the very end. Um, I remember a lot of people talking about it in our Discord and seeing stuff online about the big reveal at the end of the book, um, which wasn't that big a reveal for me, but uh, still a reveal um, nonetheless. But my rating is going to be a 7.8. Eric. Nice. Oh, nice. wow. There we go. <laughs> nice. Well, speaking of that, I actually have the um, I have the book review from the website pulled up here. So this is the utini.com official review. It, we actually gave it a 7.8 as well, which is oh the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wes freaking <laughs> Jenkins. Close. I know. All time. I know. You were 7.7, Eric. This is fantastic. So this is this falls into the good category. This has a fast-paced origin story that shines brightest through its enjoyable characters. The plot's is 7. Characters 8.8, originality 7.5, writing 7.5, and entertainment 8.3. So overall, I think it's a, uh, it sounds like a, a fairly well-rounded book. Um, maybe sort of one of the lower-ended scores for particularly young adult books tend to be kind of higher scores, I think, from our staff. Yeah, so. and, I, and I think, honestly, this this review on on the site does a really good job. And that's why I like our, our five points of reviewing that we, that we do to kind of explain why. Because this is a, a really good character-focused novel, as I think a lot of the other canon books are. Like, I mean, God, we're getting, with Queen's Peril, Queen's Shadow, Most Wanted, all these YAs, as you're talking about, Corey, are really nice character-focused books. Because when I was thinking back about this for this roundtable, I remembered the Poe stuff, I remembered the Zori stuff, I remembered the interplay between them, and I remembered the fun I had more than, like, any of the specific plot points. So I think that showing that it shines through with like an 88 and an 83 in character and entertainment are yeah. very representative, mm-hmm. at least in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, that's kind of been the general sentiment from the public, from the community I've seen as well, has been like this has not been, I think, one of the one of the sort of community favorite books, but honestly maybe a needed book in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, there was that one small line in, in The Rise of Skywalker that got all of us thinking, so I'm glad we have it. I'm probably going to get around to, excuse me, I'm going to get around to reading it eventually, um, especially that we have the audiobook. So great stuff. Yeah. So let's just dive right in. We always do our roundtables in multi parts. Uh, this is no exception. And the first part of our roundtable is typically all about characters. So let's just dive into characters. Now, this one is kind of interesting because we really don't have that many characters to talk about. Um, which I, I guess is a bit of a common theme with some of the young adult books um, in general. But let's just start off with uh, everybody's favorite hero, Poe Dameron. Um, most importantly, I think, which we learned a lot about in this book, were Poe's parents, uh, Kess and Shara. Kess Demarin and Shara Bay, they were both uh, heroes of the Rebellion, but they had very distinct impacts on Poe's life. So how do you guys think that his relationship with with his parents sort of informed his personality and his decisions in this book? Eric? Ooh, um, I mean, I am a freaking sucker for father-son stories. Like, anything where it's like, you don't get me, Dad, but I love you, son, and like then, then there's <laughs> reconciliation. Like, I played the Disney music I I am so in um but and I think Poe is a really great mix of Kes and Shara especially if you've read like the Shattered Empire comics that came out um I think a couple years back that take place between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens they focus on them um and they're showing up in Charles Soule's recent comics as well 
they're a really nice blend for Poke because Kes is, is decently stubborn and he's kind of a little more um, solemn, and Shara's like the uh, the thrill seeker, right? She's the a wing. She's an a wing pilot. Like she likes speed. She likes danger. And I think the po- yeah, and I think the Poe we see in the sequel trilogy is a nice blend of that because he's he's got that cockiness, that that flyboy attitude, of course. But he does also have that kind of solemn nature of, like, I need to be a leader. And I think that's his father grounding him. And in this particular book, I think that he's constantly trying to fly away, if you will, from his father's influence. He wants, he just wants to be his mom. That is all he wants to be in his entire life because she's gone. He misses her. And he, I, I think that he believes if he can represent Shara Bay, then she's alive still in a little bit of a way. And Kes is trying to essentially hold him back. So I think by the end of the book, he's found a little bit of his father's influence that he can love and he can emulate, but I think it takes him a while to get there. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I didn't even think about the, the the aspect of Shara Bay being gone, that he may, he wants him to make, make him feel like he needs to be more like his mother. Um, but, uh, but Shara Bay, I think she was more like the risk taker, like you said, um, and resonated the mo- with Poe the most. Uh, she strikes me more as a person who had, who like kind of bent the rules whenever she was with the rebellion, um, mm-hmm. whenever she was given strict orders. But um, it came with with victories and rewards more often than not. Um, but with Kess, he played it more on the safe side, you know, or by the book. But or because I don't really know much about him, so he could have been just like Shara Bay, but kind of dialed it back down and saw what. I guess his actions would be later in life and how it would mm-hmm. affect Poe. So he kind of knows what that what that path would be and decided that if he kind of lays low, does the farmer life on Yavin 4, then he wouldn't lose his son to to such extravagancies like he did with uh, with his wife. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, now, it's, it's interesting that both of Poe's parents, I think, were in this book because, you know, Poe's mother has already been referenced a bunch of times and even talked to, doesn't he, it even shows her, I think, in the Poe comic, if I remember correctly. Um, he, at least in memories, because she, because she dies when he's okay, like, yeah, yeah. I forgot That's the exact right. age, but he, he's Eight? definitely young. He's pretty young. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I we've remember, seen I her in comics. Now, but yeah. Is there, is his father in the comics? I think I've only read the first, like, graphic novel I... in that series, the Poe comic. I don't think so. I don't think I don't so either. Think so. so we've this only is seen kind him of as unique, younger. I think. This is certainly the most development we've seen from Poe's father, yeah. so um, that's interesting. So, I mean, this book also sort of contains like a sort of tried and true trope now about Star Wars is that he hates his life <laughs> on Yavin, right? Like, I'm so bored. How many times we? How many times we heard that story in Star Wars over and over again? So, like, he he does a lot to try to get off the planet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he even crashes his mom's A wing and like, yeah. like he almost kills himself, like. Um, although it's interesting that ultimately his, his, his escape from the planet kind of comes in the form of like teaming up with a bunch of crime lords (laughs) in, in an interesting way. So it's an interesting choice, uh, for the protagonist in, in this book is that he joins up with Zori and Vigilch. Is that how you pronounce that? Vigilch. 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 There's some great names in this book. (laughs) That is a big throaty name. (laughs) Yes. Zori and Biggle. Yep. So at the same time, like, you know, even though he was willing to do anything to get off planet, like he didn't really realize that, that these were criminals, these were spice runners he was signing up with. Does that like, does that make it more okay, more honorable? Like, is that even necessary for Poe's character? I don't, uh, I don't do think, think it's, West? I don't think it's necessarily necessary. I think he was going step by step, right? So 
he was like, damn it, it's so boring on Yavin 4. I will do absolutely anything to get off this planet. And so he saw an opportunity, and he took it, and he was just going to be like, well, once I get up into orbit, then I'll figure it out from there. If they're bad, they're good, whichever, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out after I get off planet. So I think that's where he was at. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it needs to be honorable. I mean, we're, we, you think back to the original trilogy. Luke Skywalker goes off with Han Solo to go to Alderaan, but Han is is has a death mark on him from Jabba and is trying to pay off bounties because he's a smuggler. Like, it's kind of the same deal, and Han just happens to turn into a heart of gold, whereas the Spice Runners kind of double down on being sure. Spice Runners. So, right. But I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Poe just wants to leave, and I think... His youth and his hot-headedness allows him to not really think of consequences past, honestly, getting out of the atmosphere. Right. And I think that follows him throughout the book. Right, right. We were, we were talking a little bit before the show that, that this book seems like it has a lot of parallels with Most Wanted. And maybe it's maybe it's less about having parallels with other Star Wars books and really more about having having just some of those tried stories of youth, right? Like, that's not a, yeah. that's not a, that's not a new idea by any means that... Like characters want to escape from their parents, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to get out from under their parents' thumb in a lot of ways. So uh, this seems to be sort of a theme in a lot of young adult Star Wars books is kids want off-world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> which is very interesting. Everybody hates where they're at, which is pretty <laughs> funny. Absolutely. Now, at, at one point in the book, uh, Zori says to Poe, she, she says, you have, not on- you have to not only want to be here, you have to sacrifice everything to be here. This is your life now. Nothing else matters because nothing else came before, okay? If you want to be one of us, one of us has to be all you are, wherever will be. What do you guys think about that? Like, to me, that is very, very similar to... Um, uh, Beckett in Solo, mm-hmm. like he says, you're like you're in, in your life, this in, in this life for good, right? Mm-hmm. I think that Zori, th- this is not really founded in any fact. This is just a thought I had. I think she is parroting the exact speech she's heard her mother give people, mm. um, because we find out later Ooh. in the book that her mother is the one that's running the Spice Runners of Kajimi. Um, it's, I, I guess, it's a reveal. Like it's 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 decently clear throughout the whole book, but I think that she is basically trying to groom herself for leadership and she's like all right my mother has given this speech to every spice runner i will now give this speech to this kid because i need to get myself ready to run this place so i think that she's just parroting the lessons that she's learned since she was little yeah interesting um that makes i mean that makes a lot of sense that's a crazy ultimatum to give somebody that's been with the group for like three to six (laughs) months like you're in a teeny interview (laughs) process also i just want to say Corey says that to every person that joins the team. <laughs> you stepped. You stepped in this house. Now you're here for good. Don't forget about what you've learned your entire life. And now this is yeah. what you're going to be doing. Um, right. Yes. I, I think she correct. wanted some kind of commitment to where she could let her guard down with somebody. Because I mean, Pose her the same age mm. as her. They they relate both really well together. So she was like, well, if I can if I can get this guy to join up wholeheartedly. This leaves everything else behind. Maybe I can let my guard down. She left her guard down in those two instances when she's on the Marazian cruiser, and then when she was in Babu Frick's um, in Babu Frick's workshop, and then in uh-huh. a couple other times uh, before that, but um, not wholeheartedly. So she would like she would stop. And she would put up her shield again. Um, but I think she was looking for somebody to you know her ride or die, in better terms. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So this seems to be it seems this is a common theme amongst like sort of the criminals in general. Like, what do you guys think about this concept of like you're in this life for good, right? Like, is that true? I mean, it hasn't been true so far that we've we've mm-hmm. seen it in books. Maybe you think this is something that that folks that are sort of doing this like tell themselves maybe to keep going. I think you got to do it a certain extent because when. Like, we see the nice criminals a lot in Star Wars, right? Like, we see Han Solo yeah. and Lando. Like, they break the law, right. but they're still really nice. Whereas <laughs> most of these hardened criminals are, like, they're shooting people and they're dealing drugs and destroying yeah. worlds and lives. And they're like, whatever. Um, I think that you kind of have to have that dedication for them because if you don't, then that means you might go snitch to the New Republic. You might go yeah. tell someone that can take down the entire organization. So... I think it kind of makes sense that ultimatum, like, hey, if you're in this, we are all doing things that you are seeing that can make us culpable for, like, either arrests or mm-hmm. even getting us executed. So if you're not in here 100%, you got to go or else we'll kill you right. because our lives are literally on the line. Yeah, you have our yeah, secrets. And if you give up our secrets, then we're vulnerable to other attacks, to other criminal organizations. So, right, right. you know, snitches get stitches, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Stitches. Snitches get stitches. The Poe Dameron story. Snitches get stitches. Really. <laughs> Spice Road is another Kajimi. Oh. Right in Arabesh, and there you go. <laughs> uh, oh my God! Fantastic. All right, so, so let's uh let's let's change gears a little bit here. So we've seen this happen kind of over and over again with uh, Star Wars books that have taken place after the film The Rise of Skywalker. Let's talk about uh, light speed skipping, something else that we've seen explained in the books yeah. is what I was trying to say mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Alright, so uh, Zori says she says it's risky, Zori said, her voice grim. Basically, we hyper hyperspace jump along a series of preset coordinates. They're supposed to seem random to the ships on our tail, but they're not. Uh, we're dragging the the uh, the Zul'jin. Is that the name of the ship? Zul'jin? We're, or Yes, we're dra- dragging the Zul'jin along with us to dangerous places we know, and they don't. So they get jammed up, and we can keep running. So light speed skipping essentially is not quite as clever as it maybe seems. I guess. What do you guys think about this? Is this a good? Is this a good explanation? First of all, well, it is. I'd if, say so. Yeah, it is. If you know the cord, the predetermined co- coordinates before you start, right? Um, the Zul'jin yeah. were were another like criminal group that were after him. Um, Mm -hmm. and so if you know where you're going and you've seen these predetermined coordinates before, yeah, it's easy to maneuver these obstacles when you go, but Poe had no idea. So Poe was flying in blind, just like the Zildjian. And so Mm -hmm. he got away, not unscathed, but alive with the rest of the crew. So that kind of, that kind of, um, shows how great of a pilot he was. And even in his infancy. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And I think this explanation of light speed skipping made me think of like sequences, right? So essentially, it made me assume that some pilots just have these coordinates like in in your back pocket at all times, like you know how um, like Han had uh, in the in the AC Crispin Han Solo trilogy, great books if you want to check those out, a great Legends look back episode with myself and Charlie by the way. Um, <laughs> Han had like safe houses in a bunch of different planets, like he had little stashes of credits here and there, and he knew all right if I'm in trouble I can go here, I can go here, I can go here, and to me light speed skipping as it's explained in this book, it's kind of like that for travel. If I'm in trouble, I know I can go to this coordinate, and then I can bounce here, and then I can bounce here, and then I can bounce here. And I assume that Poe, at least in Rise of Skywalker, once we get to that point, he's had this formula of, of worlds kind of in his head for years. So it's risky, yeah, but at the same time, he's like, 
I, my muscles can just do this naturally. I can go like boom, 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 and everyone else is freaking out, but I know that it's actually intentional and it's not so random. Sure. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It it does it does kind of take out of the picture to some degree, like the issue that's been in Star Wars for a long time, though, which is uh, your sort of calculations, right? The, like, yeah. the computer has to calculate the hyperspace coordinates. But perhaps if your entry and exit vectors are the same in every single area that you go to and you do do them, like you're saying, is all back-to-back, maybe it is a little more plausible. So Ooh, someone was just reading to... a Thrawn book recently talking about entrance that's vectors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I will try not to ask you any questions. Um, though this isn't really, this isn't, the concept of light speed skipping is is new, but the concept of like bouncing between hyperspace spots is not. That's been around for a long time mm-hmm. in Star Wars. There's tons of Legends books where they will make several small jumps rather than making one big jump, like to confuse pursuers, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, because even though like the First Order can like track you through hyperspace, like they can. I don't really exactly remember how it was done previously, but I mean, you could essentially calculate where people were going somehow. Yeah, like based on the hyperspace (laughs) lanes that were around, like calculate the likely trajectories. And there there was a lot of math involved, whereas the First Mm -hmm. Order then eventually just said, they're that way, which was the new one. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay, continuing on here. Uh, So when when Zori and Poe sort of have their late night joyride on the Ragged Claw, uh, she says, though I was worried... Worried, Poe asked, about what? And she says, that you'd try to leave without me, not looking back to catch his expression. Mm. What do you guys think that, that Zori was trying to get at there? Is this, is this like a peek into her sort of soft side that we, don't, that we get a little touch of in The Rise of Skywalker? Eric? Yo, I think so. Like, I, I really like Zori in this book. Um, I mean, much, much like how Most Wanted is kind of secretly a Kira book, I do think that Freefall is kind of secretly a Zori book. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that character so much. And I think that her and Kira obviously have a lot of similarities uh, as far as they're, they're both very strong women. The hotshot guy is trying to, like, maybe see if this lays for him. And sh- they already know what they're doing. They're very competent. Like, a lot of those things follow through. But in this particular moment, I think that Zori is seeing for the first time maybe an avenue out because she has been groomed to take over the spice runners. Her mother runs the gang and she's like, okay, I will then someday do that. There's no question. And I think throughout this book, she sees in Poe, maybe either a partner that could kind of join her or at the extremes, someone that if he runs, she runs with him. And I think that's very interesting and probably really scary for her, which makes eventually the fact that he doesn't, um, that he literally abandons her, I think, hurt even more because I think she then feels stupid for letting her guard down. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, it was kind of like a pipe dream, really. She's, she's. Mm-hmm. She, I don't think she knows right now in this part of the book, but she's going to be the new leader of the Spice Runners taking over for her mother. Um, but this was kind of something she's thought about but didn't actually think it was going to happen and wouldn't be actual reality. But... Um, she wanted to kind of see his reaction to it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, I like that. But uh, kind of saying it and letting it feel out. We uh-huh. all do that sometimes. Hey, I'm going to say this thing. What do you think? What do you think? What do you <laughs> think? Do you think? Do you oh, think? I was kidding. Do you think it's cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Never mind. Never mind. Let's, oh, go, no, no, no. let's go kill some people. Do drugs, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing them drugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I can't believe that's in an ad. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, so it's it seems like it seems like this is this book was sort of a character study of of both Zori and Poe. Like I like what you said, Eric. It seems to be more of a of a of a Zori story than necessarily maybe like a Poe story. Mm-hmm. But we do get a lot of character development about about Poe in the book, right? Yeah, so definitely. At one point, he's like like wounded by uh, one of the key villains in the story, Ledesmar. I guess is how mm-hmm. you would say that. Um, and he kind of thinks to himself, was this the end of his story? A runaway child of the rebellion killed in the midst of some galactic gang war. Did he even know what he was fighting for? No, but he did know who he was fighting for. So do you think this is sort of like, is this early, early Poe's leadership developing here? Hmm. Like what exactly is this? What is this thought? And what is this, what does this turn into later on? I guess Wes, any thoughts here? That's interesting. Early, early Uh. leadership skills just coming forth. Right. Um, I, I mean, I thought he was just really smitten with Zori. He was like, I will do anything for this child, for this woman and anything at all. Cause even if she did have aspirations to rule the criminal underworld of spice running, I still, I still want to be side by side with her and maybe pull her away from whatever murderous gang she wants to be a part of. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe maybe this would maybe, just for you saying that this could be some early like clues of his leadership skills coming out. Yeah, it does seem kind of like the moment in his life where he's thinking, "Oh, I I have romanticized this life of running and flying across the galaxy and just being away from my dad." But now that I'm in the violence, now that I'm actually in the true stakes of the world, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not actually fighting for something right now. Okay, I should figure out what I what means something to me. And, oh, hey, this girl means a lot to me. Okay, maybe I fight for people. So I do think there's definitely parts where his mind is starting to go about, like, okay, the gears are turning and realizing if I'm going to go into dangerous situations, I got to have people that I love that I'm fighting for, and I got to know the reason that I'm fighting. Totally. Totally. We kind of see this kind of throughout the book, too, it seems like, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, there's another quote here. There was moments like these that Poe realized that he hadn't experienced enough. The tough skin hadn't fully formed. He'd never felt more 16 than than right then. That's another sort of common theme we see in in young adult books in general Mm -hmm. is they sort of have a reality check in a lot of ways. Um, What do you think – how do you think that this experience sort of shaped Poe into what we see him in, in the films? Um, I th- honestly, I think, or, or maybe I should better say truly, um, not a sponsor, <laughs> but I am opening up another <laughs> for the audio. Not um, yet. <laughs> um, dude, Hey, truly hit us up. Uh, Eric at utd.com. Um, I know. I do think that in this story, he is realizing, Hey, maybe what my parents did wasn't lame or, Hey, maybe I understand what my dad is fighting for a little bit. Maybe I understand what the rebellion was for because I've, I've seen this kind of wild, wild space. I've seen this place where there's not order. I've seen these people fighting for selfish reasons. Hey, maybe I realized that my dad is always fighting for something. Lulo was always fighting for other people. And that means a little more to me than just thrills and adventure. And I think that that might be a big reason why he joins up with uh, the the New Republic military and like in the epilogue, which I know we'll talk about probably more next week, when he hears the speech from Leia, he's like, "Oh, this is very important. This is something real." And I guess I have been fighting for superfluous reasons alongside Zori and the Spice Runners. I think I want something that has a little more substance. 
Yeah, completely agree. Can't really add on to it. I mean, it's like I said before, it's an incredibly short time before from the time that he left Yavin 4 until he's on the Ragged Claw and on this Morazian cruiser um, fighting these fighting for his life. And as he's about to as he thinks he's about to die, he's like, man, I really haven't experienced life like I should have, you know? And he's yeah. it's like a sixteen-year-old kid about to get slain to death, but um, but yeah, slain to death, slain I like to that. death. You like kind of like uh, <laughs> abs- kind of absolutely, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that, that's funny. It seems like it seems like Poe is sort of continually thrown in these situations where he's like having to like <laughs> like totally grow up, and he sort of has these moments of realizations like, holy crap, like all these people want to kill me and yeah. this is over like drug money. Like what the heck man? Yeah. Like I just for a drug money. Ride. Why do they want to kill me? What, what do you mean, yeah. man? That's cool. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's, there seems to be a lot of quotes that sort of around this. Like here, here's a, here's another one here. He says his blaster wasn't set to kill. He reminded himself, but it struck him nonetheless that he was firing on new Republic officers who stood for the same ideals. His parents had fought to establish. Yeah. Like what the hell man? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. I, I, I want to. I want to talk about this moment for a second. So this particular moment really kind of hit me because I think this this is a moment that we don't really see from any of the other protagonists in Star Wars a lot. Like we get to the point where you know Luke is fighting against stormtroopers, and then we have Rey fighting against the First Order and the Jedi fighting against the the Separatists and all these things. But Poe is literally at the point where these are people that have seen him joyride his entire life, that have dragged his dumb butt out of Rex, that have called his dad to come get him, and, like, they've been annoying. But now he's, like, firing a, a weapon at them. And it's like, okay, I know, logically, these are, this is the New Republic military. These are the good guys. And, like, that has to be a moment that really messes you up to be like, okay, I can talk back to these people. I can get annoyed with these people. Now I'm firing a gun. <laughs> um, like the, the, yes. it's got to give you a pause, you know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. It does show that Poe has a good heart. He's, he's, he knows what path he should ultimately take, what he should ultimately be on. But he's kind of lost on on kind of how to take the next steps. So yeah, exactly. He's just <laughs> trying his best, but like, it's uh, it's rough. It's a little rough. Yeah, it's a, it's it's rough to kind of try to save save your life when you're 16 years old and you don't really know what to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I guess luckily we do see him sort of come to his senses, right? Yeah. That is the purpose here, right? And like, there's another good quote here. It says, Poe understood that lives were lost, but this wasn't war in the same sense as the battles his parents fought in. This was murder, Poe realized. Mm. Like, is that the moment that Poe sort of like has his wake up call that like he realizes that sort of that this is not a just cause he's fighting for? Is that what it is about, I guess, really? Is the question is like, is it about justice? Is that why Poe sort of walks away from all this? Hmm. I think one thing this book really does well, I think, is it doesn't judge Poe at any point for joining the Spice Runners. I think that it's like, yeah, he sees a life of adventure. He's a little, you know, caught up in leaving home. I understand kind of why he would want to do this thing. And I think that's really key because I think it'd be very easy to judge him for being a dumb kid or not seeing clearly that this was wrong. And I think Segura really does a nice job of slowly showing us that Poe realizes, okay, this little thing is okay, but I'm a little worried about this. Okay, now this stretches a little more, but I'm still okay. Okay, now this goes a little too far. 
Because every protagonist in every story needs to know where their line of morality lies. And Poe does find his, I think, right at that point, like you were saying, when he finds out, okay, I am now fighting not for my friends, not for a cause. Now I am fighting alongside people who are just murdering. And I think that that is, that is a line, obviously, that is frankly evil and frankly should not be crossed and that is not just. So I think, Corey, to answer your question, Poe does find that if I'm not fighting on the side of justice or protection, then it isn't right. And I honestly don't know if he ever would have learned that had he not taken this trip with the Spice Runners in the first place. Yeah, that's t- totally true. Um, I guess you could honestly put it down that he that all is fair in love and war is not something that Poe agrees with. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there no, had, I think absolutely. I mean, there had to be opportunities um, to fight fair but not stab people in the back. But, you know, there's a lot of instances in where the rebels just straight out murdered people. Um, oh, yeah. Because I just got done watching Rogue One and Cassian murdered that guy and Actually, oh, yeah, cold straight blood. up, it was yes. like, he's like, just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. Dash him in the ribs. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Yes, just like that. He has that great quote just of like, like you that. know, we've all done things for the rebellion. And if, if the rebellion's gone, then it was all for nothing. So I think yeah, that, you know, some totally. people need to go that far. Luckily, Poe is 16 and has a little more time and a little more grace period to kind of you know, turn his life around. Yeah, and doesn't get tried as an adult, also, right? So he gets out in a couple yeah. of <laughs> Well, and, and last thing I want to say about that, too, is that I think this book does a really nice job, too, at maybe telling the readers, hey, you don't know what's going on in someone's life when they make mistakes. Like, we all know right. Poe Dameron's a hero because we've seen what he becomes. But if you had just seen this character, he joins the Spice Runners, he goes off, is is in the middle of all this, of all this you know, bad bad stuff these these murders these crimes it'd be really easy to judge him and i think that's where a lot of us go in real life is that there's there's a lot of times where we see these young kids that are put in these horrible situations and you're like oh well you know they knew what they were doing they got it but maybe if we'd seen the end of their story when they're in like their 30s and 40s and they're rebellion leaders and generals then we go back in time and we're like oh they made mistakes as kids okay they had to learn they had to figure their, their stuff out and then they can grow up. So I thought in, in the meta context of Star Wars, which I think all the writers, frankly, are writing in to an extent, I think that was really kind of really kind of cool, really kind of interesting. And I hadn't seen that before. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Also, uh, changing the subject just a hair, the, the entire um, that entire scene on the Ring of Kafreen in yes. uh, Rogue One was, in fact, one of the reshoots, just for the record. Wow. So, which, which, abs- <laughs> which absolutely... Like, everyone's always like, oh, no, there's reshoots, there's reshoots. Like, it doesn't have to be something bad. No. They just wanted to add something They wanted to add something new, which I think absolutely, like, made Cassian's character in that film, right? I mean, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like that, the speech that speech he gave at the end where he talks about, just like what you said, Eric, that, like, we've all done things in the name of the mm-hmm. rebellion, right? In mm-hmm. the name of justice, if you will, to tie it back into this book is, like, it, it, made that, it made that scene and that speech all the more valuable because we saw him murder somebody in cold yeah. blood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I guess it's like... You know, I think it's, I think it's probably more true to Poe's character in this book that we don't see him like totally go down that path. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, for sure. Like he, he does still question the sort of logic of it all the entire time, which is I think very true to his character. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they didn't make him. You know, like there were sort of a, a lot of jokes in. Uh, a lot of jokes in 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 the Rise of Skywalker about like he used to be a spice runner like as if he was like a real spice runner. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't actually seem like that's actually what he was the whole time. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Very interesting. Very interesting. But um, one thing I do want to point out is is the scene where Kess and Laulo finally do find Poe, mm-hmm. right? So like they tell him his father is basically dying, right? And he still refuses to go home. Yeah, like he gets so he, how... he gets injured in the fight and he sees his dad hurt and he's like, ah. right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. So how do you justify that? Like it's kind of like a bit of a yikes moment, I yeah. guess, and for Poe, right? I mean, it's a real tough one. there. It's, yeah. Go ahead, Wes. Right. What do you got, man? I mean, <laughs> it's tough. Definitely shows that he's devoted to Zori. Not, I, don't, I mean, still, I don't think that he's so he's so with the cause of the Spice Runners, but I think he wants to develop something with Zori. Um, but it's weird because I, I think it kind of runs in parallel to um, how he didn't leave the resistance behind back on Kijimi, back in uh, the Rise of Skywalker with Zori. So he could have left with Zori and could have left with his dad, but he decided to stay with the resistance and finish something out mm. and stay with Zori on that weird asteroid planet rock thing with those with those strange gremlin looking creatures um, and and take <laughs> off with Zori. And this I think was the was the part of the book where um, Ziva comes down. Um, yeah. The, the actual cruiser or battle cruiser, whatever it was. Yeah. I wonder if there's also an element in that particular moment because Ziva is there and the spice runners are so prevalent in that moment of, if I go with my dad, then we, we both might die. Like they mm-hmm. might just take us all down because I know too much about the spice runners. So I can protect him in that way. Might be part of it. I, I admittedly, I think that's a stretch, but I think you are right, Wes. There's that moment of, you know, Poe is not really someone that abandons things halfway through. Like he ran away from home because he'd been thinking about it for a while. He needed to discover this thing for himself. And in that moment, I don't believe he thinks his father will actually die. I think he's like, okay, he's hurt. Obviously, this is bad. Clearly, but right. I don't actually believe this is the last time I'll ever see him. So I think he believes if I go now, I'll still not know if this was the right path for me. I, I still won't know if this was what I'm supposed to do. I need to see this through. And I, t- and I gave these people my word I would. So I think that still means something to him. Yeah, and he, he yeah. was – him and uh, – what's his name? Lulo? They were – I mean, it's, it's, it's like they had a, com- a way too long conversation about whether he should stay or go and his dad – just lying there, dying, bleeding to death. Not to bring you guys down, but I'm losing blood at an alarming rate. It was like a, it was like a full page of them, like, should I go? Yeah. You should come. Yeah, your dad will be mad. You should come with us. And he was like, just take the damn guy. He's dying to <laughs> put get him. In in, get him into Charles ICU. <laughs> like, That's we right. got to get him okay. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, sort of as we as we sort of wrap things up here, um, you know, there's as was typical with young adult books, right? There's not a whole lot. I think a whole lot of characters, individual characters, that really break down. I think we'll hit Zori in the next episode. Mm-hmm. So let's just sort of conclude out here with Poe. Um, he does. It does sort of seem like this book did a lot of ex- of sort of defining his ideology what he stands for mm-hmm. in a lot of ways right like and i think we sort of if you stand for nothing th- poe what will you fall for that's what i asked that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> i think this is where we see poe differs from a character say like anakin right yeah. because i don't think mm-hmm. that poe is loyal to people only 
as is Anakin, is only loyal to people. He's not loyal to ideology. He's only loyal to people. Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I think I think Poe shifts in a, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. like kind of through the books that we've already seen in this book, to being loyal to ideology. Right. He's yeah. loyal to the resistance, what they stand for, and the justice, kind of like I was talking about. And there's a good quote here. I think that sort of sort of begins that discussion a little bit for Poe. He says. He was transported back to a few moments earlier to his fateful choice to remain with the spice runners of Kijimi. And he realized how much of that decision was tied to Zori to that look of fear and uncertainty on her face as Ziva bliss arrived. Poe knew deep inside that he had to help her get through whatever was coming and his own journey would have to wait Mm. at least until he sorted out his feelings for Zori, Mm. not so much his romantic feelings, though that was part of it. He was being honest with himself, but their bond as friends and partners, right? So like, this is a this is a really good quote to me because, like, it seems like earlier in the book, just you know, I know I haven't read it, but based on the context that we're talking about here, it seems like Poe was really lo- really loyal to Zori very early mm-hmm. on in the book. Yeah, and now it seems like he's more loyal to something different, just helping her escape, to helping her get away from this horrible life that she's living. Not necessarily so much because they're just friends and partners, right? As he says here, but like. Because of the concept of the justice of of, of she's trapped mm-hmm. in the situation and he values her as an individual, right? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think it honestly lines up with Poe from the Last Jedi. I mean, we yes. have he he leads the mutiny because he is more loyal to the idea of the resistance escaping right. than to the person of Holdo and to the persons right. of the of the commanders that he is betraying in that moment. And I I also think there there is a trope in this book as well of Poe being like. I see the girl. I like the girl. Oh, I can save her from the situation, which is like yeah, not sure. something he needs to do. She has plenty of agency to do it on her own. But he is right. also feeling, like, oh, maybe I can start to be the hero in this story. But I, I in this story, bliss. But I do <laughs> think, uh, Corey, that, that you're right. This is the moment where Poe is like, all right, <clears throat> I have followed people my whole life. I have followed the idea of my mother my whole life rather than what she actually fought for. So maybe if I actually just focus in on the ideas, if I focus in on the concepts, then I'll always know I'm going in the right direction because people can let you down. People can betray you. Absolutely. But if you know what you're fighting for, then you can always kind of have a, a, a straight and narrow path. Very well put. Absolutely. Anything to add there, Wes? Um, something that you would brought up is like Zori feels that she's almost trapped in this life that she's in and maybe – Maybe Poe can help her kind of make that crack in her life to where she can start chipping away at it and get away. But right now I think that she's she's like like you said, she's trapped in um in this life of either being the next leader of the Spice Runners, um, or just being in it or staying in it forever. And so like you said, Eric, people can will let you down, but if you have your ideals in a kind of like a in a causation way, then Mm-hmm. That won't and won't let you down ultimately as people would. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I think that just about does it for Poe as a character. I think next week when we come back, we'll dive right into Zori, talking about her a little bit about the um, the villain of the story in a lot of ways, Troon, mm-hmm. right? And uh, then I think we can kind of tie it in with some of the big overarching cloak questions. So. Um, guys, any last thoughts on Poe before we take it back to Eric to close out the show? Um, I, I like Poe in this book. I, I'm glad we got this. I think like we said at the beginning of the show, this is a story that everyone kind of wanted at the rise of Skywalker. 
people wanted it for various reasons. Some people wanted to say, hey, how does that work in the timeline at all? Mm-hmm. Other people were like, I want more Zori Bliss. And I think that overall getting this insight into Poe's character was really great. And I, I mean, again, I'm a sucker for a 16-year-old kid trying to find his way in the galaxy. You know, I think that it's a, yeah. st- it's a tale as old as time. Absolutely. There's a there's yes. a couple other characters in this book that are part of the Spice Runners. There was Marinda Gann, who is a she was a Twi'lek, right? Yep. And then there was Gentry, and then Vigulch, and then um, a couple other people. But Tomasu was in yeah, there. Yeah, Tomaso. Um, mm-hmm. But so Gentry, I brought this up earlier when we were talking, Eric. Whenever he speaks, mm-hmm. he says like "us" and "we." What? Did you oh, pick yeah. up on that? Why does he do I, that? I think so. I think Gentry, as far as I was reading, uses they pronouns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as I can understand, so I think that was Alex Segura's way of writing a non-binary character okay. in the in the story. Confused me. Um, and I think that also might be, as far as the we um, thing, might also be a power tradition, as far as people go. But I think, okay. but I, I also love that stuff. I mean, one for for visibility, um, and uh, just for everyone seeing themselves in Star Wars, I think is great. But I also like the idea of people having different cultural traditions that they bring into groups because too often it's like i'm a human oh and i'm a human all right let's go do human things on a ship um and there's no real like (laughs) there's nothing they bring in so that's what i got out of it okay and then another thing that really pissed me off the entire book the spice runners of kajimi is the worst name i've ever heard for a criminal organization, <laughs> it's so it's so not authentic. It's so not creative. Come up with something else. Like the yeah. the Kajimi Crusaders is better than the Spice Runners of Kajimi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, 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 what do we do? Well, we run spice out of Kajimi. Print it. We're done. <laughs> Print it. We did it. Uh, dr- can you imagine if the gang was called the Drug Dealers of Chicago? <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> like come exactly on, what like, it is. we're the it's We're the so Star dumb. Wars talkers of the internet. Oh my God, yes. Jocks! You said in the chat, it's as good as the Washington football team. That's exactly <laughs> oh, it. Yes, <laughs> they are the Washington football team oh, of Star Wars. Fantastic! Oh my God, well, I think that just about does it for our discussion about Poe in this book. Eric, I'll give it back to you to close out. The All show. right, so we are flipping up the format a little bit this week, folks. As opposed to just going to the outro, we want to give you some UTD news now. Uh, at the end of the show to say thank you for sticking around. Uh, we can't wait for next week. We don't know if we'll get Charles back. He may be working. But I got to say, from my point of view, uh, I'm sure Wes in the chat will agree with me. Corey, you absolutely oh, yeah. killed it running the show. Um, and no small part to Charles' prompts, but, dude, nicely done. That's right. It's all Charles is doing, man. He writes this incredible work. Well so. done. Uh, a couple updates for everyone watching. Uh, we got some podcast updates. Last week, Utini Game Night was going very strong. We had Andrew Bell playing Empire at War last week, uh, which was a great stream. He played some Thrawn campaign from the old Legends universe. Wes, what does Utini Game Night look like this week? Um, this week is Heather. She'll be playing Lego Star Wars on Wednesday. I would like to point out that Andrew was the first uh Utini game night streamer to not have technical difficulties. So <gasps> way to go, Andrew. Well, we uh, did it. <laughs> got one through. Uh, so yes, uh, this Wednesday we have Heather playing Lego Star Wars, which I'm. She's probably going to make me want to buy the Skywalker Saga Lego Star Wars whenever we get some kind of updated when that thing's coming out. So be sure to tune in Wednesday night. All right, well, that Wednesday night, and then, of course, Thursday night, Legends Look Back is live again. I do believe this week they are doing a character 
Uh, deep dive into Lando Calrissian. Uh, Jared told us that on Lightspeed Skipping this past weekend. Uh, so <clears> I cannot <throat> wait to watch that and listen to that all about Lando. And as a reminder, that is going to be on its own podcast feed for Legends Look Back. But if you're in your Patreon feed, you're going to get that as normal. Our very own Conja Book Club started their new book on or, on Saturday, Bloodline by Claudia Gray. So be sure to jump into the Discord every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern to have a nice little book club discussion talking about uh, one of our favorite canon novels. Again, that is in the Patreon feed as well. Speaking of the Patreon feed, yo, we made some changes this week. We have been teasing them that they were finally going to come, but we finally have some new goals to talk about. Uh, Corey, we had our new tiers recently. Can you go through our new Patreon goals, please? Yes, absolutely. So as always, thank you to Timothy, who is our Patreon manager yes, at sir. Utini. He's been been working on our tier goals for a while now. Uh, uh, my accent just isn't A really while good. now? <laughs> a while hey, now? These sound real good. He's been working on them, uh, them Patreon goals for a He's while now. real good. Uh, yeah, real good. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> You're speaking West. Speaking West. Hey, listen, I can turn my country accent on. I am from Georgia, after all. And when I talk to uh, patrons, uh, patrons, when I talk to patients with a really thick country accent, I really turn it on. But yeah. <laughs> patients are anyway, patrons anyway. in a different kind of way, aren't they? They're that's paying right, your money for right. services. If, if the patrons also have an accent, yes, I will also talk to them in a country accent. Perfect. So anyway, there we go. Um, so we have some new goals that we've been working on for a while now, and uh, this is what they are. So um, previously was the $450 goal, now it's the $400 goal. Uh, I am going to belatedly <laughs> read uh, I Jedi. I'm going to read some of the book. Um, I haven't, we haven't quite figured out exactly the logistics of how we're going to do this. I think, I think first of all, someone's going to have to buy it for me because I do not own Done. The, the damn book. Easy. <laughs> Somebody Easy. will have to buy it for hey, me. No, we it we got the company credit card info. We'll get it to you. <laughs> that's absolutely correct. I refuse to spend my own money on this book. <laughs> Um, so someone will have to buy it for me. I read it on Kindle that I pirated off the internet years ago, justifiably so. And I will, uh, I'm going to read some excerpts from the book. Um, we'll do like a live read. I will probably hang out for like an hour or two, yeah. something like that. And we'll just read, you guys will have to find the excerpts that you want me to read and, and we'll all dive in together. And it's going to be, going to be a load of fun. Um, you know, if you've never heard this before, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> a bit of a tangent here, but, uh, I, I am not crazy about the book I Jedi. It's been a bit of an inside joke for a long time. I know we're like a positive community and all this stuff. And like, if I ever meet the author, he's going to have to punch me in the face in like deservedly so because I've crapped on this book pretty, pretty endlessly. It's the only truly negative opinion about Star Wars books I think I have. And the story is we had a uh, very early on in Utini history, we had like a, like a movie night and uh, we all watched like the, like the fourth book and, and Dr. Helton, the fourth movie episode four, uh, Dr. Helton had a, a bit too much to drink <laughs> and went on a bit of a rant about how terrible I Jedi is. So, it was great. Um, we were so young. It's, you know, it is so young. It was like three we years ago. Just about, so. Anyway, $400. We're only $14 away from that goal. We are $14 away from Corey reading I Jedi, everyone. I just want to repeat yes. that. That is three <clears throat> patrons of the Guardians right there. Not excited about it. So, you know. <laughs> But I also want your money. So, um, <laughs> There's that. Small price to pay. All right, rent through the rest of these goals here. $500, we're going to do a Phantom Menace film commentary. We'll probably watch the movie in real time. And uh, the three of us, or four of us, Wes, Charles, Eric, and I, will do a Phantom Menace commentary of the film. You can listen to it at the same time as you watch the movie. Um, probably using the Disney Plus edition, I would imagine, because mm-hmm. this one most people have access to. $600, we're going to do a Bloodline roundtable. Uh, this is the Claudia Gray novel that a lot of us, uh, I think all of us have read it. No, Charles hasn't read it. 
Oh, wow. I remember. Wes, yeah. have you read Bloodline? I have not read Bloodline. Ooh. There we go. Well, that'll give me an excuse to reread it, and Eric, I know it's been a while for you as well. Yeah, I'm so. catching up with the Conjure Book Club stuff, but I'll steal some of their takes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. $700, we'll do Attack of the Clones film commentary, uh, which should be exciting. We should probably have a lot to drink when we watch Absolutely. that one. Maybe we can yep. turn it into a drinking game. <laughs> and hey, maybe we uh, can even talk uh, Alice from Force Toast. That's her favorite Star Wars movie. Maybe we can talk Alice into guesting on that one. Oh, that would be fantastic. It's, it's really be fantastic. not that bad. Uh, it's $800, we're going to do a Canyon comic series roundtable. Um, I, know, I know a lot of patrons had a lot to do with uh, picking a lot of these mm-hmm. goals. Too, yeah, they so love that be one. Exciting. I've, not, I've not read that comic either, actually. Me neither. So that'll be fun. $900 is the Revenge of the Sith commentary. $1,000 is Darth Plagueis roundtable. And we have a new community goal, which is it can happen at the same time as our monetary goals. The new community goal is when we hit 50 Guardians of the Wills, we're going to have an all-patron watch party of Rogue One, my favorite film, which is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, usually, usually we only do those for the Inquisitorious tier. We have like a – I think we call them Night at the Opera. We do like some kind of watch party at least one uh, – like – three or four times a year. We actually have one coming up this month, I believe, mm-hmm. um, for our Inquisitorious tier. So once we hit 50 Guardians, that's our $5 tier, um, we will do that. And we're only 20 away, which I think is fairly reasonable. So um, maybe we can hit that before Christmas. It'll be fun to watch that together. Yeah, and as a reminder, all of these tiers and goals are on Patreon right now. Uh, we just wanted to go through them because, as, as we said, Timothy did a great job putting them together. I uh, got a lot of feedback from uh, a lot of patrons and a lot of listeners, this is what you want. So we are happy to do it. And yeah, if we if we do it a thousand dollars, we'll do Darth Plagueis as a roundtable. We will take the time, the year that it takes to read Darth Plagueis. We will put in the work um, and have that. So very excited for that. And of course, on our Patreon right now, if you want to uh, look at your feed, you got a new light speed skipping episode today. Charlie and I have a new Ghost Crew coming to you on Wednesday. We are in season two of Rebels. We're loving it. Conjure Book Club is on there. Um, just more and more shows uh, every single week. And oh my gosh, in October, Bonnie Hunt will be returning with The Mandalorian. So mm, um, that'll be exciting. Always a ton of content on that Patreon. Thank you to everyone for supporting this show. And finally, as we close on out, a, a quick just thank you to everyone that is still in the chat right now. Uh, these Monday night live shows are super fun to do. Uh, we love everyone that listens later on in the week. If you do come on Monday, it's fun to have that little back and forth. So thank you. Thank you so much for supporting everything we do here. And be sure to head over to utini.com for everything you need. And my friends, that is going to do it for this week's charles List episode of The Living Force. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, you can head over to Discord right now and join the Aftermath After Show video channel to hang out with us in the after party. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council, and Kyle Hickman and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. You can find us on Twitter, at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles, when he's here, is at C. Hankel, and Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey and Wes for podcasting with me. Thanks to all of you in the chat for hanging out. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. 
Until next time, may the force be with you.